Well, as they're coming with the blue buckets, my name is Cheryl. I'm part of the staff here at Christian Assembly, and it's my joy to be with you uh, in this last weekend of 2017. Um, I'm excited for where we're headed. I'm excited for the new series that Tom's going to be leading us in next weekend. But I thought before we begin to look forward, uh, before we start to maybe make all of our resolutions and all of those things, it might be good to just look back. And so I want to create a space here, even this evening, for us to do that together. Um, So if you'll grab a pen, grab your bulletin, because you've got all kinds of, hey guys, welcome back to America. Good to see you. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, Grab your bulletin and uh, grab a pen, and uh, we're going to We're going to look back together at 2017. We're going to do some remembering together. So let me pray, and uh, we'll dive in. Father, I do, um, I thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're present with us. Thank you that you are a God worthy of our life. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide our time of remembering pray that your spirit would uh, fall upon us and speak individually to each person in this room, God. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, my God, my Savior, my friend, and my rock. In Jesus' name, amen. The theme of remembering travels throughout the Bible. I think it first shows up, the word remember, in Genesis chapter 8. goes all the way through to Revelation. The theme, the word shows up like over 230 times, but of course there's this theme where the word remember might not show up, but just this uh, invitation to look back, to reflect, to ponder, to consider, right? Throughout the Bible, we see God that he remembers. We see humans, men and women, being invited and called to remember. And according to the Bible, remembering has incredible benefits to us. This actually is a whole nother sermon. I almost wrote two whole sermons. Uh, But I'll give you just the cliff notes of what the scripture tells us about the importance of remembering what it can do for us. One of the things is that when we look back and remember, the scripture says that it can incite rejoicing. It can cause us to worship, right? The second thing is that when we remember, it can bring about repentance. Now, we don't like the word repent. We're a little skittish about that group that's going to come at the end of the Rose Parade this next week, right, with the hell, go to hell signs and repent signs. And I really am sad, I apologize on behalf of all Christians for that group of people, but um, I'm sad that they've co-opted that that idea of repentance has come with such anger because really the... um, To repent is an invitation of God's grace. 
Because to repent is to turn from sin, to turn from walking away from God back to God. And so the scripture tells us that when we remember, we're all oftentimes drawn to repentance. And without repentance, we have no hope for transformation, right? And I hope, like me, you want to change this year, right? I'm thrilled as I look back at 2017, and I am different in really good ways. I do not want to be who I was in 2016. And I hope a year from now I'll say I don't want to be who I was in 2017. And I'm glad for who I am in 2018. Remembering leads us to repentance. Remembering leads us, the scripture says, to understanding. Over and over again we'll see these moments in the Bible when they'll say, remember God's word to us. Or in the New Testament, uh, oftentimes they'll be like, and then they remembered what Jesus had said. And there's this sense of awe, this kind of sense of understanding. Oh, that's, that's what Jesus meant when he said that. And then the fourth thing is that remembering leads to hope. And if anything happens tonight, I hope it's hope. I hope that you leave with a hope. A hope for tomorrow and a hope for the next day and a hope for 2000. And 18. So we're going to do some remembering together. And so in your bulletin, there's some space here. And what I want to do is I, I want to, I'm just going to give, I'm going to, we're just going to do it together. It's like we're having a quiet time, a big giant quiet time together as a church, okay? And so I'm going to give you a area to reflect back on, to remember, and, um, and then I'm going to create some space and, uh, and allow you time to just think and ponder that. So the first, there's an H, there's H's. The first H, the first thing I would have you reflect back on are the high points. What are the high points from 2017? If you don't want the person next to you to know, you can just write little codes but I'll just give you some silence, some room, some space.
now I want you to consider some hard times. All of us had them. What were some hard times this past year? And now this is kind of fun. Would you reflect upon who have been some heroes this year? Not necessarily like Peter Parker, but like people who have shown up at just the right time. Maybe somebody who gave a word of encouragement. Maybe somebody who served you in an unexpected way. Maybe it was somebody who got you through something. Maybe it was a teacher, a friend, a family member.
And then we want to just remember, um, we want to remember God. And we want to go back and look through. The invitation of the Bible is for us to be people who remember God and where was he in the high point? Where did God show up? Where was God in the hard times? And sometimes that's a harder one, right? And I want to recognize that there are some who this was just not a year where you can really pinpoint God. Might have felt like a year when God wasn't there. Might have felt like a year when he didn't show up. And so maybe I'm asking for a leap of faith. Not in a feeling, but in a truth that we hold. How was God present? When did God show up in unexpected ways? What was God inviting you to in the high points? What was God inviting you to maybe in the hard times? How might God have been using those heroes? How might God have been the impetus for those heroes to speak a word of encouragement, to bring service, kindness, Who has God been to you this year? Has he been a comforter? Has he been a friend? Has he been your Lord? Has he been the object of your affection? Or has he just felt like he wasn't there? I'm not wanting us to play games. Be honest, it's okay. Maybe that's just what you write down. I don't know where he was. We've all had those years. But we want to be people who each day set our face towards God, right? We want to be people who seek to remember him, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing. I think, to be honest, I think that's why we're here tonight. I think it's why we gather on a weekly basis because we just need, we need a space. We really need ritual in a really good way. We need ritual, we need space, we need community, we need people to help us remember, right? To remember that there is a God and he's here and he sees us. I think it's why we gather um, many of us in life groups because just showing up on the weekend isn't enough, right? Uh, And so men and women and couples and families, I have a group that meets um, most Monday nights and it's just a little group of women. We meet in my living room and really we don't do that exciting of a stuff except that we hear each other's stories. We crack open the scripture And we whisper to each other, God's here. And I need friends who do that. 
I need friends to remind me on a really regular basis. It's why we have a men's gathering. It's why we do women's Bible study. It's why once a year our men and our women and our students get away for a weekend. Because we've got to carve out these rituals. We've got to carve out these spaces to remind each other there is a God and he hasn't forgotten you and he sees you and he's present and he's here. We need each other. We need intentional pathways weekly, daily, annually, over and over. We need that whisper, remember God, remember God. Where was God in that? Did you experience God in that? Maybe as if you have a family, maybe around the you know, dinner table every once in a while, you do this exercise together, right? Hey, who this past week, this past month, what have been some high points? What have been some hard times? Who've been your heroes? And where was God? And if you have a child who blurts out, they don't believe in God, God wasn't there. You know his parents, right? Don't freak out. Don't preach. It's my job, not yours. When your child says, I don't believe in God, God wasn't there, you know what we say? I get it, right? I've had those weeks. I've had those days. I've had those years, right? And we create a safe place to bring up God, but to disagree about God. To not feel God. And yet at the same time, to feel God. All those things are welcome. The Bible declares on its pages Remember God. Remember his commands. Remember who he is. Remember that he is mighty. Remember that he is all-powerful. Remember that he is compassionate. Remember that he is near to the brokenhearted. Remember that he is Lord, that he is friend, that he is creator, that he is good shepherd. Remember that he's the light. Remember he's the rock Remember that God is the first and the last. Remember that he's sovereign, he's over all things. He's unchanging, he's unstoppable, he's savior, he's patient, he's kind, he's good, he's gracious, right? Remember who he is, remember what he has done. There's a couple little verses there from Deuteronomy. There, I think eight times or maybe more times in Deuteronomy, it repeats this phrase. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Okay, over and over again in that book. In a couple of these passages here, Deuteronomy 5.15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember who you were 
and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember who you were and remember who God was and is, right? And this event as God brought them out of slavery in Egypt, was a foreshadowing of what was to come in Jesus Christ, right? That he was going to come and he was going to rescue us and he was going to bring us out of our slavery to sin, right? It's what we look at from Christmas to Easter. At Christmas, we celebrate God who's come in the flesh, Remember John the Baptist declares as he sees Jesus coming towards him, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He could have simply just said, behold the Lamb of God who's gonna rescue us out of our own personal Egypt, right? And now we look towards Easter in that moment when Christ did rescue us, bring us out of our slavery. And there's so many different passages in the New Testament that we could look at, but I thought we'd just look at this one in Ephesians chapter two, where Paul basically is giving his commentary on Christmas to Easter. What happened? What took place in the life and the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And this is what Paul says. He says, you know, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You were enslaved. You were like a dead person. You were not who you were meant to be. That's what sin does. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, right? Scripture tells us, I mean, it's kind of bad news, but it's kind of good news because we're not alone. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's why, friends, church, We should be the most humble people on the planet, right? All of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, our propensity for self, our propensity to go our own way, our propensity to put ourselves in the center of the universe. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. We don't like to talk about God's anger. We don't like to talk about God's wrath. But friends, it's God's justice. We were subject to his justice. We were subject to God's anger just like everyone else because sin is always always against God. Sin is always destructive to others and to ourselves. But there is no sin in isolation. 
See, there's so many of us that we think, oh, I'm just hurting myself, and I choose to hurt myself because I like to hurt myself. Yay, me, I'm hurting myself. You're never just hurting yourself. You're never just hurting yourself. You're hurting your family. You're hurting the people who love you. You're hurting the people near you. But then the greatest, the greatest, one of the greatest passages of all of Scripture By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else, but God, underline, circle, highlight, tattoo on your arm, but God is so rich in mercy. So rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead, even though we were not living as we were supposed to live, as we were created for, alive, vibrant, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, right? Isn't it beautiful? Between, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. There is, it goes straight to God's mercy and love and grace. There is no, there is no missing paragraph here. There is no, and then you got your act together, and then you had a time out for five years. Then you had to go to the corner. Then you had to do this. No. Boom. But God, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. To be a Christian isn't to be the prettiest or the most cleaned up. It's to be one with Christ. And he did that. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus so that God can point to us and say, look what I did. The dead is now alive. The lost are now found. The one deserving of God's anger have now been showered with love and grace. It's like the naughty kid showed up and Santa threw down every present they ever wanted. Because God is not like Santa. He doesn't have a naughty and nice list. He just has an I love you list. God saved us, verse 8, by his grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. That's so good. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What is, what is coming in 2018? One thing I know for sure. God has planned good things for every single person in this room who is united to Christ. God has good things for me to do, for you to do. And those two are a grace, right? They're a gift. They're not a performance. They're not a have to. They're not a should. They're a get to. Because God has already planned them for us. Therefore, remember that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And friends, there's some of us who are really religious, but we've been living without God and without hope. Because we've placed our hope or we've placed our sense of security in a religion, in a doing church, but we have not been seized by the great affection of Jesus Christ. You were living apart from Christ. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Perhaps would this mark you for 2018? Would you experience, even tonight, being brought near to God? And would you remember this good news of what he has done for you? And would you remember, would I remember what God is remembering? This is so profound. As I was studying this idea of remembering, I was so struck as I went through, you know, all the remembers in the Bible, in my Bible gateway, and how many times it talks about God remembering, that he remembers his covenant, right? That, that promise to Abraham that set the whole rescue mission of Jesus in motion. That it says he remembered all of his promises, God remembers all of his promises. Tom laid that out in the Christmas event. Is a response. It is God fulfilling all of his promises, right? And then it says that God remembers his people, but not just that he remembers like you generic people. Over and over in the scripture, it says, and then God remembered and it lists names. That's mind-boggling. God remembered Noah. God remembered Abraham. God remembered Rachel. God remembered Stephanie. God remembered Steve. God, rem- God remembers you. And there's somebody who needs to hear that tonight. Because in this little 
Psalm, Psalm 139. This is what blew the mind of the psalmist. And I want it to blow your mind tonight. For the person here tonight who needs to remember that God remembers them. This is the word for you. The psalmist said, God, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. Some translations don't translate it that way, but it's actually a really great translation, is how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. That's what the context in the Hebrew there is saying. How precious, God, that you would think of me. The psalmist says they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. And you're still thinking about me. How can this be? That the God of the universe knows my name. That the God of the universe is thinking about me. As Alex comes forward to lead us in worship as we take communion... I want to remind us that on that night that he was betrayed, Jesus looked across the table at his friends. Remember this? And he says to his group of friends, he's going to be betrayed. He's heading to the cross. And he says to his friends, he says, I think, like, as I see you, as I'm going to remember you, he says, remember me. And Jesus then took bread. I love this because it's so earthy, right? It's so real. He just took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body. This is representative of what's about to happen. This is my body broken for you, given for you. Take it, eat, and Jesus says, in remembrance of me. And he set in motion a necessary ritual for the church. A necessary ritual that helps us remember God, right? And then he took the cup. And he said, this cup that is poured out for you, this is my blood. This is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink in remembrance of me.